Hey, good morning. It's a good day to be inside, amen? You guys picked the right service to come to, too. It's starting to warm up a little bit. I hear it's only like minus 15 out there now. So uh, when I got up this morning, it was 28 below out. Yay, what a good day. Any of you remember the Matrix movies? They came out like in 1999 and kind of continued on for a few years. Uh, in that movie, the, the Savior, Neo, uh, comes to this point a realization that he's living in a dream world. And another main character of this set of three movies, Morpheus, offers Neo a choice. He says, I have a blue pill here. If you want to continue to live in this dream reality, take the blue pill. If you want to understand the true reality, take the red pill. And of course, Neo chose the red pill. The kids read uh, to us this morning from Luke chapter 2. And it talks about two different worlds, two different realities. On the one hand, you have Caesar Augustus and all that's involved with him. Um, he's the Roman emperor. He makes this uh, edict that you have to go uh, pay your taxes. He's full of, of power and prestige, and he was the man in that culture. That's one reality. But there's another reality in Luke chapter 2 that's talked about. It's the reality of God. And it's like Luke is offering Theopolis and us as the gospel readers a red pill. He's saying, you want to know true reality? Here's what it's all about. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about God's Son coming in flesh. It's about God's Son changing everything and the life that you can have in Him. Messiah the Savior has come and He brings peace Luke says. Now, peace, whenever you hear that word peace in the New Testament, it means undisturbed, untroubled well-being. So, basically, Luke is saying, take the red pill. Like, you know, uh, like um, Morpheus was saying to Neo, take the red pill. Luke is saying to you and I, take the red pill. Enter into God's reality. Believe on him. And you're going to have peace then. This undisturbed untroubled well-being. And around us, we still have this duality of realities that present themselves. You have modern Caesars, men and women of power and prestige and authority. Some even believe their own story, don't they? And they want us to enter into their story and be part of their reality. Some, they speak a good story, but we don't believe them. But oftentimes, Modern-day Caesars have a lot of influence. We can even be our own contemporary Caesar. We can think we're in control of our lives, and we can begin to believe that's our reality. But here's the case. As it was with the literal Caesar and the Christ child, God's reality was what prevailed. And in our case also, we have to understand no matter what's going on, no matter who's in the White House, no matter who's our manager and the reality they want to give us, no matter, you know, what's going on at home, maybe what's going on between your ears, Caesar is not in control. That is a dream reality, and the true reality is God and God's great love for all of us. This is the fourth Advent uh, leading up to Christmas, and the focus today is love. And really, behind everything that was read to you today from Luke chapter 2 is God's love. 
And it's the reality that you and I need to embrace, that we need to grab a hold of. It's taking the red pill, believing that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So here's our big thought this morning, simply this. God's love is the reality you are to embrace. God's love is the reality you are to embrace. So why embrace this reality? Well, there are a couple of reasons stated in the scripture that the kids recited to us this morning. First of all, God's love prevails. It prevails. Caesar looked powerful uh, in his moment. He looked overwhelmingly great and mighty. He speaks a word, and the whole world basically jumps to attention. A decree goes out from Caesar Augustus. Then the world says, okay, what do you want us to do? And even Joseph responded because he took his bride to be his pregnant fiancée, and he travels back to his hometown in compliance with Caesar's edict. Who can blame him? Everybody was doing it. That's what you did in that culture at that time. Um, by the way, the census decree would have gone something like this. Glory to the most august Caesar, meaning the God Caesar. Peace on earth to those with whom this God is well pleased. Implying a threat. If he wasn't well pe uh, pleased with you, guess what you didn't get? Peace. You got his wrath instead. So if he says census, census be it. You better get there and you better pay your taxes. But in the perspective of this dream reality, we have another announcement that takes place in Luke chapter 2. It's the announcement of the Christ child, that the Messiah is coming. Um, Caesar Augustus thinks he's the powerful one. He's displaying his power uh, by this edict, and all of his empire has to jump. But God shows up, and all of heaven jumps. All of heaven comes to attention. Little did Caesar know he was just merely a tool in the hands of the sovereign God to accomplish his will. He needed to get Mary and Joseph back to where? Bethlehem, so that the prophet Micah prediction would be fulfilled in them, that the child would be born in Bethlehem. Caesar wasn't in control. God was in control, and God was prevailing. Even though Caesar thought he was prevailing, the one really prevailing was God, and God's plan was unfolding, and Caesar was merely a footnote, a, 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 you know, a comma, whatever you want to call him, a, a dash in history to accomplish God's will. In those days of Caesar Augustus, a seemingless, powerless woman with Jesus in womb, went on pilgrimage at the command of Caesar. But it was just part of God's plan because God's love always prevails. What was about to unfold was the world changer. The new reality was to be born, just as Micah predicted in Bethlehem. And I love the paraphrase of Andy Stanley about this whole situation. He says this, People now name their daughters Mary and their dogs Caesar. That puts it all into perspective, amen? Who is important in the story and who wasn't important in the story. God's love is a reality we are to embrace. Second reason we embrace this reality is this. God's love changes life. God's love changes life. Caesar evidently thought he was doing this great work and his kingdom was expanding and this was just the 
Uh, one of many censuses that took place under this guy's rule as the kingdom grew and expanded and he wanted to tax people more and more. And no doubt there was pride in those collecting the taxes. They thought they were doing some kind of great lasting work. But when you look at the story that we just heard the kids recite from Luke chapter 2, Caesar and gang are nothing but the backdrop. They're like the scenery. They have a bit part. The real heroes and the real uh, story that's taking place is in the shepherds and in Mary. And, and we see that highlighted in this story. You see, God changes lives, and we see that take place in, in the shepherds. They receive the announcement from the angels that a child has been born, a Savior has been born, and they go check that out for themselves. And they're sent back to what they were doing before after that is all done. They went back to tending sheep once again. And on the surface, it can seem like nothing changed much in their life. But everything changed. They went from that shepherding situation. They met the Christ child. They went back to the shepherding situation, but their lives have changed drastically because of the love of God. No longer were they merely shepherds shepherding sheep. They went back praising and glorifying God and telling anyone who would listen what had transpired. They now have become shepherds with a purpose. They were talking about Christ. They were now priests and prophets. Amen? They're no longer just shepherds. You see, God changes lives, amen? That's what he does. He changes the reason that we live and, 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 and what we think is important. See, you're not just an engineer if you're in Jesus Christ. You're a priest and a prophet. You're not just a factory worker if you're in Jesus Christ. You're a priest and a prophet. You're not just a businessman if you're in Jesus Christ. You're a priest and a prophet. You're, you know what? Your life changes, amen, right? God's love changes life. Life finds new purpose. If you're a note-taker, that's sub-point eight. Life finds new purpose. But in addition to that, unlikely heroes are raised up. God's love raises up unlikely heroes. C.S. Lewis once wrote about the nature of humility of the Christian life, and he said these words, and I love these words. He said this, The Christian life is to play great parts without pride, and small parts without shame. It's a good saying. The Christian life is to play great parts without pride and small parts without shame. The shepherd's role was small. But once they were infused with the reality of what God was up to, they took the red pill, amen? They became part of the list of the heroes of the New Testament. They took God at his word, they checked it out, and they came back glorifying and praising God. And today, who are we talking about? The shepherds. Do we really care about Caesar? Not at all. Amen? Because God's love creates unlikely heroes. Perhaps the most powerless person in the Christ story is Mary herself. And I think, humanly speaking, she's the greatest hero. Caesar, full of himself, oblivious to what God was up to, makes all these proclamations. He's thinking he's culture's gift, you know, and all that stuff, and he's merely a footnote in history. Mary, on the other hand, this young virgin, great with the Christ child, hears everything. I mean, at this point, Christ is out. <laughs> at this point, she's treasuring all these words that are being said. She's pondering them in her heart. And, and, and we're, we're seeing this young woman listen to God 
muse on it, and that was her reality. See, God's love is a reality that we are to embrace. You know what I'm looking at this morning as I look at all of you? The band of heroes. You maybe don't think of yourself that way. But if you're in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. You no longer live. Christ lives in you. If you're in a position of influence, then, with the grace of God, do that without pride. Because you're an unlikely hero in Jesus Christ. If you're a person that thinks, well, I just have this small thing. I don't do that much. You do it without shame, amen? Because you're in Christ. And you're a saint in him. That's part of the Christmas story. God's love changes life. It gives you a purpose and it creates unlikely heroes. Now the decree of Caesar went out to all of his empire and it was a decree of this. I'm taking from you. I'm taking from you. I'm taking from you. You owe me taxes. The world takes. That's what it does. The dream reality takes. On the other hand, you have God making this proclamation. Come and partake of me through Christ. He invites us to take from him. Do you see the difference? You see God's reality? He gives. The world takes. They're at odds with each other. God's love is a reality you need to embrace this Christmas. You need to step into God's reality. I want to tell you this. Take the red pill. Amen? Believe in the story of Jesus Christ. Live your life as though that's your reality, not the world that you live in. This world we live in is what? It's passing away. The Bible calls it a vapor and a mist. It's a short-lived thing. It's going to come and go super quick. And what we need to do is let God's love prevail in us. Amen? What we need to do is let God's love change our lives. What we need to do is let God create for us a purpose that's beyond the job we do or the role we play at home or, or whatever. We need to let his purpose begin to be great in us. And guess what? You need to begin to think of yourself differently because in God, you're an unlikely hero because Jesus lives in you. To me, this is the Christmas story. This is what Christ is about. He's the changer of all things. And I don't know about you, but I choose a red pill this morning. I want to live in God's reality, not the dream reality of this world. I choose to believe on him and trust him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I pray the same goes for you. We're going to end this message with this simple decoration here today. It's going to show up on the overhead. And uh, I would like you to say this out loud with me. Would you like you mean it? We believe in the love of God. Amen? That's behind the Christmas story. So we're going to pray and end with a couple of songs this morning. Would you bow your head with me, please? Lord God, I want to thank you for all these folks that are here today. could have been easy to rationalize it's cold or it's difficult or whatever and, and just not come. I want to thank you, first of all, that they're here. And I want to pray that your Holy Spirit would touch each one that you would impute to each one uh, some message, some truth that they need to hear this morning to edify their spirit. I want to thank you for the children, for their ministry to us this day. I want to thank you, Professor Jesse, his passion for the kids, and all those volunteers that put in endless hours uh, to bless these children. God, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit right now would bless that area of our church.
that these kids would love you with all their little hearts, Lord, and that they would grow up to be ones that would really affect the world uh, for your glory, Jesus. And I want to pray that all of us sitting here also in a like manner would be filled with your Holy Spirit this day. God, that we would see that your love prevails. It's everlasting. It never ends. There's no shortage of it. Men like Caesar, they come and go. In the moment, they might seem so very, very important. But in the perspective of uh, eternity, Lord, they're just a dot. They're just a footnote. Help us to stay focused on you this Christmas season, Lord. I pray that uh, we'd understand that your love just changes life. You give us purpose. You create this unlikely hero kind of thing, Lord. And I want to thank you that your love so radically changes situations. You take a, a young virgin like Mary who seems so powerless in her culture, and now today is who we talk about. She's our hero. And I think you're writing those kinds of stories in many lives here this morning, Lord. So I want to just pray that we just step into this reality, God, that you've given us through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We just love you. We praise you this day, Jesus. We're thankful for the season. And I pray that each one here would grab a hold of that truth uh, that you, Jesus, are really are the reason we're celebrating this season. Help us to keep you at the center of everything that we do. In your name, Jesus, amen. Um, before we pray, I want to encourage you, during the next week, I know it's going to be busy. It's going to be hectic. The world's going to scream at you loudly, jump into my dream reality, amen? And what I want you to do is take some time of solitude. Take some time of silence. Still yourself before the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise Him. Glorify Him. Pray to Him. It doesn't have to be long, complicated prayers. I'm beginning to see that prayer life is something that God puts in you all the time. You know, He talks about praying without ceasing. Get a line that grabs your heart. For me lately, it's been grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. And I keep thinking, God, that's what you say to me as a person. Grace and peace to me. Grace and peace to me. And I repeat that self to myself all the time. Grace and peace to me. Grace and peace. You know what happens? Pretty soon it's in here. It's in my heart. And pretty soon you know what my heart is doing, even when I'm doing other things? It's saying, grace and peace to you, Stephen, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. And I'm beginning to pray without ceasing. And I'm beginning to have a different experience of what that means. I think we are so intellectually oriented in our culture. We think, God, you get bored, and I have to think of new things to say. And I have to come up with these never-ending prayers. Oftentimes, it's taking a simple piece of Scripture and just meditating on that thing. It's like chewing on grass. And pretty soon, you're not thinking about it. You're doing your work, and all of a sudden, God will say, grace and peace to you, just out of the blue. You know what's happening? Your heart's engaging. And I want to encourage you to begin to look at God and walk in God like that. It's very different. It's going to be really hard because we're very American, amen? We're very American and we don't settle down. And I've been reading a lot of the ancient fathers' writings lately and I'm beginning to see one thing they had down was how to still themselves and how to listen to God. So I want to just proclaim to you today, grace and peace to you. And when I say peace, I mean undisturbed, untroubled well-being in Jesus Christ to you this Christmas season. That's what I mean by peace on earth. Amen? That's what Jesus has brought us.